Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Toe Meets Lead podcast. I'm Logan, and with me this week, we've got our hometown uh, film runner, Tommy. How's it going, Tommy? What's up, Logan? Yellow Jackets are back to their winning ways. I'm all I'm all good. And out in Dallas uh, with our Texas A&M insider, Artem. How's it going, Artem? What's up, Logan? Oh, nothing much. We get to talk some football. There's a lot to look forward to this week. So to kick things off, I'd just like to start with the home picks. We've got our personal teams. I'll start off with Tommy and Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech obviously turned the ball over a lot more than they probably should have in that game. Ended up turning it over four times and still won by 18 points. A lot of that was thanks to the defense playing better ball. And a lot of that was thanks to the fact that they were playing pit. Tommy, how should Georgia Tech fans feel about this win? Does it instill confidence in you, or is, are you still waiting to see something more out of this team? Well, I mean, the four turnovers should never inspire confidence in anybody. But at the same time, when you take a look at this game, and, and there's a lot of things for Tech fans to be happy with, um, especially – you know, a win in the Coastal, um, which definitely makes a big difference. The other thing to, to realize, though, is we had a Tech gave up four turnovers and a grand total of 17 points to pit. So, obviously, the defense played very well, considering that they were put under the gun more often than not. Um, the other thing is, if on the two of those turnovers... Um, they weren't like, you know, third down, deep bomb, anything. They were – the tech was driving, the offense was firing um, on their way to score a touchdown. So if they don't turn the ball over, they probably score on those two drives too. So um, definitely a, a big point of emphasis to, to get cleaned up is the turnovers. Um, but the fact that they were able to do that and still control this game is a, a good uh, indicator. It all assumes that Pitt – um, is actually a mediocre team even, which um, based off how they've played recently, that, that may not be the case. So um, definitely need to get their act cleaned up together. Uh, Virginia Tech is still looking like the favorite in my eyes in the conference or in the division. Definitely not the conference. Um, but they also have to, you know, go through Miami, North Carolina, um, and even Wake, who's been putting a, a pretty solid defense out there on the field um, the past couple years. So, yeah, I um, mean, there are some things to take away that'll be good, but um, got to clean up turnovers. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to look at in the conference. Sadly, Georgia Tech won't really have a good, I think, challenge game, I guess is the way to put it, for at least another couple of weeks. I don't think you're going to see that this week against UNC. Uh, no offense to... Elizabeth, but we do have other teams to talk about. So Artem, I didn't want to skip over your team. Texas A&M, they had quite a shootout uh, on Saturday against Arkansas. Honestly, I kind of turned it off halfway because there was a point where Texas A&M got ahead and I was just like, well, what's Arkansas going to do to get back in this game? They just don't really have the weapons to compete. But then I had to change it back because right at the end, uh, Arkansas decided to make it a game and it ended up going to overtime. Uh, I really never had a doubt. I know I picked Arkansas. That was more out of spite. But I never really had a doubt once the game started that A&M was going to win. Uh, 
the whole thing was kind of a roller coaster uh, back and forth. And I know, I guess I've got two questions about the uh, game itself. One, what do you take away uh, as something that Texas A&M has improved on since the beginning of the year, since that disappointing loss to UCLA? And two, does this change your perception of someone? Or, or is he just still one bad game away from getting fired? Um, you know, uh, I think uh, two important things to note are there's two different ways to look at the team, right? Um, the last four weeks and what they've done, essentially, in the four games they've played, and then uh, the game that you are talking about just last week against Arkansas. And uh, kind of gives us a good resume of where they are, what to expect out of them. Um, as a excited fan, after watching the last four weeks, I think uh, we can beat pretty much anybody left on our schedule except Bama. Um, and if that happens, someone gets to keep his job. We get a bunch of recruits on campus. Um, on the other hand, it could go completely the other way. We could lose to LSU, Mississippi, Auburn, Bama, and you know have a seven-six season like everybody expects us to. So uh, there's a little bit of uh, excitement after watching the last four games and uh, the changes that they've seen. Kind of like I said, if you look at the whole resume, um, I think somebody actually tweeted out today if uh, if that one <clears throat> Nickelback Caper Smith caught the interception against UCLA, we'd be 4-0 in the season, and uh, they wouldn't have had that touchdown on the game. Um, so kind of looking at it from the UCLA game uh, to now, uh, what, what's exciting, uh, what's, let's go with disappointing first, what's disappointing is our offense against Arkansas gave away a bunch of big plays because of some confusion, um, but that's to be expected. Now we know we play 18 freshmen and a 10 or something redshirt freshmen, um, 18 true freshmen and then 10 redshirt. Um, so that's a large amount of freshmen playing. And if you consider that and the fact that we have a true freshman playing quarterback, uh, a win against Arkansas is an actual achievement, not something to expect. Um, did I, did everybody expect us to beat Arkansas? Probably yes. Besides the Arkansas fans. Um, so having kind of looked at that and how those freshmen played in the UCLA game and the next two games and then versus the Arkansas game, which is the first SEC, you know, um, uh, matchup, uh, there's a lot of uh, encouraging things to see in their development, how they handled the situation of being down and then having kind of playing against bad calls or a couple calls in the game that I'm sure were against Arkansas and against us. It was good to see a very young team to – not be discouraged by bad calls or maybe just calls that didn't go their way and go ahead and win the game anyway. Yeah. I think it instills confidence when you've got a young team like that. Uh, probably I think what scared people from the UCLA game in general is you want to see a team have the drive and the motivation to not only stay in the game, but to not fall under and actually come back and win it. And that's what the Texas A&M showed us this week. Uh, I wish all the best. Well, Go ahead. It was that, and I think there was another uh, a factor that I forgot to mention. So um, most fans and analysts watching the UCLA game probably had a lot of questions. You know, why wouldn't you take time off the clock? Why would you give them so much time back so they can play? And someone came out afterwards and said, we didn't trust our defense to win, and so we were trying to win the game via our offense. So you can actually see a difference in coaching as well. Um, whereas in UCLA, they were throwing the ball downfield and uh, – 
snapping the ball with 30 seconds left on the clock every 15, 20 seconds. Uh, there was a huge change in the Arkansas game because going from that type of decision making, they went to um, you know final drive. Let's not let a fresh, true freshman quarterback make a mistake in 100% put it in his hands by making throw downfield. Let's kick a field goal, go to overtime, and win this through um, several you know iterations of scoring because we think we have a better depth and we think we have a better offense and we think our defense can hold it out longer like that instead of kind of let's you know ha- get this true freshman throw downfield and if he doesn't hit the end zone game over i thought there, there was a difference in that um coaching as well yeah it seems like y'all definitely gained a lot more confidence in your defense and confidence in your young players all right well We've got five power conferences to go through. Uh, We're going to focus on them. I know uh, San Diego State's done some impressive things, but we'll talk about them in our predictions this week. So to kick it off, uh, the ACC. Uh, Wake and Duke, as Tommy pointed out, are undefeated. Duke's actually one of the prominent defenses right now, uh, despite who they've played. Wake's had a very impressive game last week against App State, which honestly looking at it as – Stat-wise, is kind of miraculous that they were able to pull that one out. And then, of course, uh, FSU, who was expected to be in the playoff this year, is currently sitting at 0-2. You know, hashtag just ACC things. Um, Tommy, I'm going to turn to you to talk about the FSU game. Obviously, NC State got ahead early. Uh, James Blackman struggled to get the team back into the game. Uh, Do you think this is more on the hurricane and the young team, or is there just something off about FSU right now? Were they just not as good as we thought they were? Well, I mean, the first thing to consider is that heading into the season, NC State was a dark horse contender for the Atlantic. Um, People have been saying, you know, they're back, they're back, they're back. And then obviously, you know, they had that real bad loss um, to kind of kick things off that, that really hurt their chances to against South Carolina, which is a pretty mediocre team. Um, but to say that NC State is less than mediocre, I think it is undervaluing what they are. Um, their only loss was to the first game of the season. Uh, I definitely think they're a better team now. Um, and what they were able to do was actually pretty impressive. Um, you know, their their top rusher didn't even have 100 yards in this game. Um, so it was definitely a fairly defensive struggle despite the score. Um, and, you know, the, the 10 points early helped, but, you know, they held that um, all the way until just before halftime giving up a field goal, uh, having that 10-point lead. Um, but I really think it, this is more Florida State lost more – than just Francois when he got injured. I think what he brought to the the locker room, I think Florida State and Jimbo Fisher especially rallies around having that quarterback. Um, They've done the same thing year in and year out. When Florida State has a good quarterback, um, they're going to be a good team. Uh, When they have a weak quarterback or an unsure quarterback, they're going to struggle. So look, as the season goes on, um, and they get a couple more games under there, and Blackman can get some more confidence um, and some more experience for them to, to start rebounding and, and set themselves up to, to be a contender next year um, on a couple different fronts. But I, I think they're just 
in a rut right now. Um, uh, and it's just kind of an unfortunate situation. All right. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a tough situation. It's kind of what you expect out of the ACC, though. You always see good teams kind of struggling at certain games, and I think the hurricane definitely affected these guys. Uh, Miami made it out. Uh, Artem, just a quick talk uh, with you before we move on to the SEC. You've seen – we're talking about Duke and Wake being undefeated. Uh, do you – which of these teams do you think is better out there? You saw Duke beat Baylor, and that's pretty much been their biggest opponent. Wake beat App State, but it was a very close-knit matchup. Who do you think is the better team between those two? Uh, I think sustainably it's going to be Duke. Um, just looking at the game, I know it's 27-17, but North Carolina is one of those schools that kind of reloads on um, a lot of fast athletic players. Um, so them beating North Carolina, a rival, um, kind of a putting putting up 14 in the fourth is a big deal. Um, whereas Wake kind of struggled with Appalachian State and had to there. Uh, I do. Uh, I did see a lot of very interesting things this weekend from the ACC, though. Uh, I'd say Virginia, which you know they're. I would say they're toward the bottom, below average ACC team. Uh, when comparing to teams like Clemson, um, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, um, I'd say Virginia is one of the lower teams on the totem pole. Uh, they came out and kind of walloped uh, Boise State. I did not expect that to happen. Um, just because Boise State usually is at least competitive with uh, kind of higher-tier schools. I expect this type of uh, score 42-23 from a Boise State versus Florida State, not Virginia versus versus Boise State. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Virginia put on a good show. Um, I do think uh, NC State kind of kept it close with Florida State. I didn't expect it to be that close. Uh, I I was kind of shooting for NC State being out by two TDs. Um, but uh, one of the other interesting matchups was also Syracuse versus LSU. Uh, the fact that Syracuse was able to put up, you know, uh, 23 points in the in the second half on LSU uh, is kind of unheard of. LSU is usually a team that shuts schools down in the second half. They go back to their defensive coordinator smart enough to where he'll shut schools down. So uh, they only lost by nine. Um, and I know LSU got blown out last week, and there's some morale issues going on from that, but. I don't think you expect uh, an LSU to go uh, or Syracuse to play LSU in Death Valley and you know only lose by nine points. I thought that was a really big deal. Um, yeah, I think who knows Syracuse can be, beat some other big matchups. Well, I think the I think it gets taken for granted because a lot of people look at the ACC teams like Duke and Syracuse and Boston College, and I think they just underestimate them. They don't give them a lot of credit. Uh, where credits due, I don't, I don't think they're mediocre teams. They're actually pretty good teams in a lot of ways, and they can challenge you if you're not prepared for them. Kind of like, but uh, yeah, I think also it happens that LSU is just down this year. I mean, you could see it clearly in the Mississippi State game, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, after we talk about uh, Georgia in the SEC East. So. You know, I'm a Georgia Tech fan. If you listen to this cast at all, I like I don't like talking about Georgia, but we're back to the same kind of rigmarole that we've seen the past few years. I think like the past two years on the podcast, we have this same talk around week four or five. 
which is Georgia is the dominant force in the East. Uh, there's really no one that can challenge them. How do they screw this up? I mean, if we're just looking at last week, Tennessee had a terrible game against UMass. South Carolina struggled against Louisiana Tech, and those are two teams that should not have a close game against SEC opponents. UK liter- Kentucky literally gave the game away to Florida. I know there's going to be a bunch of Kentucky fans pissed off about that. I was upset about that. Mizzou's coach, Coach Odom, is trying to get his resume out on the end-of-game interviews just to see if any other team might want to pick him up before Missouri goes under. Uh, Vandy was subjugated like the Gauls were by Julius Caesar when Bama came into their territory and just crushed them under their heel. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Georgia's the only team that really looks good in the SEC East, unless I'm missing something. Uh, Artem, I'll turn to you because I know Tommy doesn't want to say anything good about Georgia. Uh, what, what do you think Georgia's biggest challenge in the East is going to be, given what we just saw this week? basically the trouncing of everyone else in the East. I think Georgia has some big matchups left, and I think they're going to be challenged by a couple of the other schools. Um, if you look at how they played against Mississippi State, it's kind of it's easy to look past um, kind of what actually happened because uh, if, you, if you look at it, uh, Jake Fromm, their true freshman quarterback who is filling in for uh, Easton who got hurt, only threw the ball 12 times. Uh, out of those 12 times, he missed three throws completely, and two of those were touchdowns. So big play touchdowns. Uh, it was mostly running the ball. They used Chubb and their running backs to back it up. So um, I think it's kind of like uh, foreshadowing, right? So you had a Mississippi State who played LSU, and they beat the crap out of them because they, they were like, all right, here's where we're going to shut down what LSU does well. We're going to shut down the run, and we're going to make a link throw. And their receivers just could not keep – their hands on the ball the whole game uh while you had mississippi state do the option and have their quarterback run all game so kirby smart going into that game saw that and said okay we're gonna have this kid kid beat us with his arm uh couldn't really do that uh and their running game didn't didn't go anywhere so they only put up three points the whole game but it did help georgia from turnovers from just you know being able to better scheme uh better zone runs to kind of beat them out um if you look at it, most of their scores came at the beginning of the game when Mississippi State wasn't expecting their, what their game plan was. And then in the third quarter, uh, right after the half, where they schemed against what Mississippi State came there with. So they didn't score the entire second quarter or fourth quarter, um, speaking of Georgia. So I think uh, Georgia's going to have a little bit of trouble. Everybody has some game tape on their true freshman now. Uh, they'll find ways to shut him down, and he's not a player that um, – is going to win games by his arm yet. So um, they have Tennessee coming up, and then they have Vanderbilt, which will be a tough defense. I'm looking for that game to be pretty close. Um, and then you got Florida, Auburn, and UK Georgia Tech to finish up. I think it's going to be a tough schedule for them. Um, I think they'll end up maybe with two or three losses. If they don't look like they're going to be defeated. And if they play against Bama, it's going to be like watching the Florida-Bama matchup of last year where Florida had zero players on the field and – couldn't put up points. I don't know. Honestly, if I take anything away from that, it's that Georgia has a really good defense to make sure that they don't really have to do anything other than run the ball. They get turnovers in good territory, and they limit the requirements of on their quarterback, which is good because he's a true freshman. So honestly, your argument sounded very convincing for Georgia, at least in my mind. Uh, Tommy, I know 
I know you don't like to talk about it, but it's Georgia. How do they screw it up? Well, I found a way to talk around it. Um, rather than talk about Georgia's chances, I'll talk about everybody else's chances and why they're really bad. Um, the first one is that um, the two teams that have to play Alabama as the crossovers are Tennessee and Vanderbilt. So um, even if Tennessee does end up winning this weekend, you know they still have to go through Alabama. That's a loss there. Um, the other team that Tennessee picks up is LSU, which honestly I really have no idea what LSU is. Um, but knowing Tennessee, odds are they will probably lose to LSU. Um, just um, they had a miraculous comeback week one, so they're kind of due to blow a lead at some point. Um, just knowing who they are. Um, so, you know, their, their chances are pretty slim. Um, Florida, you know, they still have LSU, A&M, um, South Carolina, Mizzou. So, I mean, they probably have the best chance in the East um, outside of Georgia. Um, the game on October 28th between those two uh, is probably going to be a, a big decider. Um, Georgia still does pick up Auburn, which honestly Auburn has looked fairly well this, uh, fairly good this season. Um, they've played better than LSU has, so um, they might have gotten a, a little bit unlucky of a draw. Um, the other thing is, you know, Florida did survive Kentucky, and Kentucky isn't what they were five, ten years ago. This, this is a good Kentucky team. Um, they may not be a top tier team, but it's definitely a trap game. Um, and you know, Georgia plays them the week before they play at Georgia Tech. So that, that's a big trap game in case they're looking ahead to the rivalry, making sure they don't do that. Um, they're in state rivalry, you know, Kentucky can come in and they're the week after Auburn too. So, um, if they're riding high, uh, of getting a win on the road at Auburn, um, Kentucky could come in and upset them there. So, um, as far as like, you know, running the table and everything, it's going to be hard for anybody in the East too, because there are just um, too many game, too many good teams and the crossovers from the West um, usually don't end well for these teams. Um, yeah. And I also expect, so in general, I would say it comes down to, to Florida and Georgia, but Tennessee's definitely still in the hunt. Well, and I would expect some of these road games. I think uh, it's easy to overlook Vanderbilt after the, after that game against Alabama where Alabama put up 500 rushing yards and Vandy only got 78 yards on the entire game, uh, it's pretty easy to look by them. But I think that's going to be a tough road challenge for a lot of these teams. Um, you know, that's another good call out too because Vanderbilt's defense is actually pretty good against the run. Um, so uh, if Georgia has to play them at Vanderbilt the week after next and – That'll be tough if they can't get Michelle and Chubb going, um, trying to rely on that freshman QB to throw. Um, could pose a challenge to them. Yeah, and I mean, like we've said, I mean, we've had this conversation every year. Okay, Georgia's the best. They got the better players. They got the better game plan. How are they going to screw this up? Because it's like, oh, yeah, all they got to do is run the table. Oh, they lost to Florida. Oh, they lost to Vanderbilt or Kentucky. Oh, my God. Where did that come from? <laughs> So, yeah, weird. They find a way to screw themselves over. Let's see what happens this year, though. Uh, 
All right, moving on. That was a that was a fun subject. Uh, anyway, going on to the team, the conference that Tommy likes to pretend doesn't exist. So, talking about the Big Twelve. Uh, I think a lot, of, all of us really picked Oklahoma State to win the game against TCU. They not just win, pretty much just dominate TCU at home. So what a surprise when TCU comes out and like kicks some tail in that matchup. I was honestly a little shocked. Uh, obviously, the turnovers really helped TCU, uh, but they also did a very good job handling the Oklahoma State defense. They only got 466 yards on the game, but they managed it with 52 rushes, dominating possession with 39 minutes. And they also were 11 of 19 on third down conversions, which is pretty impressive for a TCU team that I really didn't know much about going into this game. Um, Artem, you're out there kind of in the heart of that area. What's the attitude surrounding... Uh, the Big 12 in general, and maybe this TCU team specifically? Uh, I think TCU is a real deal. We kind of saw that coming into the season. Um, can I kind of voice what Tommy said um, in our, some of our preseason forecasts? Um, OU is definitely the, one of the, the better Oklahoma team um, just because they have depth. So if you look at OU, if they ever have a running back or offensive lineman go down, it's kind of a next man up mentality. Uh, next guy comes up. Uh, if you watch the OU game, uh, they're playing against Baylor. They couldn't manage their defense, but uh, uh, they had a running back go for 99 yards, and then his backup went in and ran for more yards than that, uh, 99 yards in a single rush. So um, OU can kind of reload. If you look at Oklahoma State, they have to beat out OU for the same recruits. They're not on the same kind of national level. And what you saw happen in the TCU game was they had two offensive linemen out prior to the game, and they had uh, one or two go down during the game, and I think one never came back. So they were playing three new offensive linemen that weren't used to being there. And you saw a really good TCU defense, which is consistently good year to year, kind of dominate the, the defensive side of the ball and not let them put up any points. Um, I think Oklahoma State's a type of team that uh, this year they're going to have to put up a lot of points and they're going to win defensively defense-wise. They'll have to pull up a lot of points. And uh, when they don't have their offensive linemen, that's not going to happen. But So I do think uh, TCU is the stronger team, uh, not just based on the game, but mostly because uh, their defense is always good and you're going to need all your offensive linemen and all your starters to beat them. So it sounds like you're kind of comparing TCU uh, in the Big 12 to maybe Washington out uh, west where – Yes, they're just the more complete team. They have it on offense and they have it on defense. But uh, you mentioned Oklahoma struggling against Baylor. So does that struggle last week, uh, also next to TCU's really successful game, make you reconsider who's on top of that league? Is it still Oklahoma, or are we looking now at TCU being the potential champion? Uh, I think Oklahoma got a little cocky. I don't know if you saw any of the pregame tape, but they got a little bit cocky, and they went into playing Baylor with a mindset that they're going to destroy them, and uh, they're, and I'll quote their daddy, uh, and they'll spank them around. So um, I think that was a the problem there. I think Oklahoma is still a very dominant school, um, and they were just kind of messing around in the first three, four quarters. Once they got their stuff together in the last half of the fourth quarter, 
they dominated Baylor. Uh, what we did see from Baylor from that game, though, is uh, Anu Solomon, who trans- transferred out from Arizona, is the reason that Arizona has been sucking, A, and B, he's the reason Baylor's been sucking for the last couple games because as soon as that Zach Smith guy got some reps, he was able to put up a lot of points on the board, and uh, that's kind of what you saw by the game was close against Oklahoma. I think they put up 40-something, 44-something points uh, on an OU defense and kind of scared them. They were uh, leading there for a while by a field goal. Fair enough. So it sounds like you're still pretty confident in Oklahoma in general, though. Uh, you still have them out on top. All right. Uh, Tommy, he gave – Artem gives me the affirmative nod. Uh, Tommy, do you even want to talk about this conference? I can only see the top of your head, man, so you got to have to give me something more than that. Tommy, I think you're on mute, buddy. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Can I at least ask, do you think that a team will come out of this conference into the playoff? Are we talking about, what, the Pac-12? I never think the Pac-12 will have a team in the Okay, playoff. well, speaking of the Pac-12, let's just go ahead and skip to that. The Pac-12, so I don't know if y'all listened to our cast last week, but uh, Andrew and I just had one basic bit of advice to Stanford to win all their games. Just run the ball. And, hey, would you look at that? They actually listened to us. They Stanford, Bryce Love, who is going to be a Heisman candidate at some point in his career, 263 yards and one touchdown. As a team, Stanford had 405 total rush yards. And Cameron Scarlett... I don't want to let this go unknown because I'm sure Bryce Love is getting a lot of love, but Cameron Scarlett, let it be known, he scored three touchdowns in that game. Overall, I just brutalized UCLA as far as I could tell. Um, I know that probably wasn't the highlight game in a lot of people's minds. There were a lot of undefeated teams playing. But for me, I just enjoy watching UCLA get the crap beat out of them. So... Uh, on the actual serious note, I guess, Tommy, there was that game out there. We also know Utah's undefeated, Washington's undefeated, Washington State and USC are still undefeated. Uh, what are you looking for this week in the Pac-12? Uh, well, the without kind of jumping to our predictions, um, one of the undefeateds is going to fall in the Pac-12 this week. Um, because two of them are playing each other. Uh, USC uh, having a fourth quarter rally to uh, kind of solidify their win against Cal. Um, definitely struggled through three quarters, though. Um, so if, if they keep struggling like this, they're going to drop a game. Uh, Washington, even though they struggled in the, the first quarter, they really poured it on to Colorado at the end. Um, that's a big conference win for them. Washington State beat up on um, Nevada, who is now uh, nearing the bottom 10 teams in the country. Um, Stanford beating UCLA. Uh, you're absolutely right. Bryce Love is an absolute stud of a running back. The guy is ridiculously fast. Um, he he just makes one or two cuts, and he's gone. Um, and behind uh, Stanford's offensive line, who are definitely run-blocking Linemen, uh, if you watch the way they play, uh, he's going to have a very good year. Uh, like you said, if they just run the ball. Um, 
the big uh, upset was obviously Arizona State over Oregon. Um, not going to say I called it, but um, <laughs> it just kind of happens when you go to one of the Arizona schools after dark. Um, if they, whoever is not favored is more likely to win. It's just kind of the way those schools work for whatever reason. Um, it doesn't make sense, but you know, it's back 12 after dark and that's why we love it. Yeah. Artem, I know, even though you're technically farther out West than both of us, I, I know this is technically Tommy's conference to zone in on. What did you take away from uh, pac 12 in week four? I think uh, Washington State is the real deal is what I took away from that. Um, I think they're a good school this year. Uh, USC kind of struggled against Cal, which showed us Cal is also not a bad team. Um, they've you know already given some, some struggles to other teams. Um, I think USC is a lot stronger than they looked in that game, though. Just I think they came out of the, the Texas matchup uh, emotional and didn't play as well. I think they'll, they'll do a lot better this week. Not to give away uh, any of my uh, predictions, but uh, I agree with you. Um, Stanford definitely looked a lot better. UCLA looked like crap again, uh, which is wonderful. Um, not to be biased. So, well, UCLA did put up thirty-four points. So, so I want to just do one before before we continue. I know you both hate Josh Rosen. I don't really like Josh Rosen either, mostly because of the hype. Do you guys not like Josh Rosen because he plays for UCLA or because of how much hype he gets? Tommy. Josh Rosen, to me, uh, when, when you watch him play, when you watch a lot of the passes he makes, he's he forces balls that, you know, shouldn't be forced, and he gets a lot of praise for a lot of dink and dunk passes. A lot of underneath stuff, a lot of, you know, wide open, short little thing, the guy breaks the tackle and runs for an extra 20 yards, beefs up his stats. That being said, he did throw 60 times in that game, which is ridiculous. Um, and he completed 40 of those. Um, it's just, it, it's a pass-happy offense. And I think he gets a little bit more hype. Now, at the, at the same time, you know, the, the Sam Darnold train of him being the Heisman quarterback, I, I don't see it. And I haven't seen it since last year either. I think Pac-12 quarterbacks are just overrated because it's the Pac-12, um, specifically the South. Um, you know, the Pac-12 North teams don't get the love they probably should. Um, but the, the Pac-12 South quarterbacks, everybody just rants and raves about them, and I – I don't see it. They don't translate to the NFL well, um, historically. So I, I don't get what all the love is. Uh, I'm with Tommy on this one. Um, if uh, if Josh Rosen reminded me of an NFL quarterback, it'd be Eli Manning. I will say Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls, but every time the guy they show the guy on camera, he looks like you know he's sorry about something or he's sorry about something that's happening to him. Uh, he doesn't scream leader to me. Uh, neither does Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen looks like somebody pile drived him every single drive, and he's missing a hand while he's playing. You know, it, it's not that rough out there for UCLA. Like Tommy said, uh, a lot of his passes are dump offs, and somebody's doing something good for him. Uh, it's not a lot, kind of, of him winning the game itself. Um, I will say that, uh, kind of, Tommy mentioned he threw sixty passes a game. I think that's what the Washington State QB does every game. I'd like to hear that kind of hype about him, because he actually is the reason that team wins. Um, 
Yeah. Whereas Rose, uh, Rosen has a lot of assets around him. Well, and you also, it's just like they basically force him to have those op- opportunities. And it's, it's kind of like, yeah, as Tommy pointed out, if you get 60 chances to throw the ball, I mean, you're going to get some pretty big numbers. Although his efficiency is pretty good. Uh, moving on. So the Big Ten is kind of the conference where I didn't really have a lot to say about. Not because there weren't some good games. I think Penn State versus Iowa was one of the better games we've probably seen all year. But I don't know what else, what we really learned from it. Uh, Penn State was a good program. I mean, Michigan-Purdue, okay. Michigan beat Purdue. That's not really unusual. Ohio State kicked the crap out of UNLV. Maryland lost to UCF. That's not really a – it's more of a UCF being good than Maryland being bad situation. None of the other losses were really that unusual, other than maybe Artem being up surprised by Nebraska beating Rutgers. That might have been the only thing. Uh, so, yeah. So I, mean, I thought actually a, a lot happened in the Big Ten. Like you mentioned, uh, Penn State beat out Iowa, which was a crazy finish to a game. Not a big fan of Penn State, but you cannot dislike the clutch ability of that running back and quarterback. But uh, you also saw Michigan struggle against Purdue, which hasn't been seen in a long time. And Michigan, being the favorite in that division, got their quarterback knocked out. I don't know if he'll be back for this week, which will impact them again. And then uh, you had Notre Dame bounce back from a loss at home to Georgia to going on the road and beating Michigan, a, a decent Michigan State team. I don't know. They beat them handily, too. Yeah, but at the same time, do you really did you really expect them to struggle against Michigan State? Michigan State's been pretty bad throughout. I mean, maybe maybe I just have a biased opinion on this. Tommy, you well, seem to well, agree with me. Well, the point here is, you know, they they beat Michigan State thirty eight to eighteen. They scored twenty eight points in the first half to Michigan State seven. Um, they were in control of the game the whole time, and if you look across the league. Um, or all of Division One. I. I mean, we talked about how USC struggled against Cal. We just talked about how Michigan struggled against Purdue, um, how Penn State had to score at the very last second of a game to beat Iowa um, by two points. So, like, they needed a touchdown there, too. So, I mean, there's something to be said where, like, yeah, do we expect them to struggle? But they went in and they took care of business for four quarters, not just the last quarter, not just that last second play where they needed to, or the one last uh, play. They took care of business from start to finish um, and beat a a decent team coming off of a a loss at home. So um, there's something to be said for, for what Notre Dame did there, whether you like them or not. Fair enough. Do you agree? Do you agree with Artem about the Michigan and the Penn State game? I guess what I'm looking for is what should I really be taking away from those games other than Michigan struggled against a Purdue team that's pretty good and Penn State struggled a bit on the road in a very good game against a decent Iowa team? Uh, I mean, I think what you take away uh, from the Penn State game is if they start playing with fire, they're going to get burned. But at the same time, it was a night game in Iowa. Um, those are hard games. To, night night games on the road in a in a Big Ten stadium are hard to get wins at. The crowd is loud. The stadium's full. It's a night game, uh, which has all the emotions and everything that go into it. Um, to get a road win at night on the road is a big deal. 
um, against a team in Iowa that may actually be a pretty decent team this year. Uh, when we talk about Michigan, Michigan and USC are the two teams that really need to get their crap together through the first three quarters and not just rely on being such a good fourth quarter team that can beat everybody because it's not going to work against Alabama and it's not going to work against some of the other top 15 teams out there. Um, the the two games that meant the most to me, though, were um, really Nebraska beating Rutgers, um, I think, is really a key game for Nebraska. I, I know it's Rutgers, but at the same time, um, that program needed that win. I, I think it's something they can build off of. They gave up 17 points, but I think um, – seven of that was off of a pick six so their defense only gave up 10 points um which is definitely a nebraska hallmark is having a good one and the other one is ucf beating maryland um just makes me happy (laughs) fair enough well it's interesting because maryland is now going on the road to minnesota so that's going to be i think a fun game to watch next week but it did bring up a point i wanted to ask you artem uh didn't want to just make you feel like I was bashing on you, but I am curious, though. Uh, as far as Nebraska goes, they're going on the road to Illinois this week. Do you think they're going to win that game? Um, I think so. Uh, I don't think Illinois is a good enough team to handle them. The uh, reason I p- picked against them last week is they had lost their athletic director, I think, right before the game. Uh, they're on the verge of losing their head coach. I thought they were a little bit overrated. Um, uh, I think Rutgers, that was their first loss. They were coming off a, a really good win. Um, so I was kind of giving it to Rutgers uh, kind of based on that. Um, if I remember, the game was actually tied until, yeah, sometime in the third quarter the game was actually tied, and Nebraska put up um, 13 points to, to kind of win it out. Uh, so that's kind of where I was coming from that. I think there's a lot of turmoil going around the program. And if you look at kind of the last year or two, every time a program has gone through that much turmoil, um, they've started dropping games. Uh, key examples being Baylor. I think uh, program turmoil will screw with anybody. So before we go on to the Fish Smithson report, one more question, kind of along the same vein as the Big 12 situation. Did this week change anything as far as your perspective? I think Artem going into this season, you were picking Michigan. Obviously, the struggle against Purdue does not make them look great, and Penn State has gotten stronger and stronger every week. I think, Tommy, you were a little unbiased, but it seemed like you were really down on Ohio State. Do both of you still agree with your teams, or are you going to switch over to maybe on the Penn State train? Artem, I'll start nope. with you. Oh, Tommy's good. Tommy's good on Ohio State. Artem? Uh, I think that that area is going to be a clusterfuck. Pardon my language. Um, I think Penn State and Michigan proved this week and the week before through their – or Penn State walloped them, but this week they played a good Iowa team. Uh, I just don't think either of those – Michigan or Penn State are top ten schools at this point. Um, maybe their schedule will show differently in four weeks, but, um, you know, when the Michigan quarterback got hurt, I think they were down actually seven to ten. And uh, I kind of watched the replay of the injury, and it almost looked like that they used that as an excuse to bring out another quarterback and get some momentum going. They said he was injured. That's why he wasn't coming back in. 
but uh, that's not the body language that I saw from either quarterback or the team. Um, so, and the guy that came in, they pretty much ran the ball, kind of like Stanford. Um, I think whoever they play, uh, Ohio State, maybe, that's able to stop the run is going to give them a lot of trouble. Um, and they look a lot different than they looked week one. Week one, they looked dominant. Um, they had a good season uh, coming up, but now, honestly, uh, I'm remembering to last year's uh, embarrassment playing Ohio State and Michigan just getting destroyed. Um, honestly, after watching them play Purdue this week, that's what I'm expecting at the end of the season. They may show different two or three weeks, but that's kind of the image I'm getting now. Well, only time will tell. Fair enough. Uh, so before we – I'm going to close it out on the Fish Smithson report, so – Start with my guy, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Uh, he's still at Arizona. Sadly, he broke his chain of getting a turnover in every single game that he's played. This week, he only had seven tackles and one pass defended. Six of those were solo tackles, though, so that's pretty impressive on him, his part. So, Artem, you got your uh, fir tree to talk about? Uh, give me a second. I, I didn't look up his stats from this week. All right. Well, while we're waiting, Tommy, do you have anybody you want to talk about? Or just give a shout-out to somebody who doesn't have a crazy name? Uh, no, I, I haven't been following any particular players. What about our quarterback, Taquan Marshall? Give a shout-out to him for being a great team leader. Yeah, don't fumble the ball. <laughs> Problem solved. Fair enough. All right, here we go. Um, our boy Furbush did not record any statistics. Aww. Um, excuse me. He had one assisted tackle total. Um, not really good showing. You know, uh, I, I would suggest he call his family and um, talk to them and get some motivation coming into this week. Um, he's going to need to play a lot better than he did. Uh, he'll probably get a little bit more playing time, honestly. Um, and he'll put up good stats. Uh, they're playing Michigan State's so rivalry game, so they'll let him out there. He'll get a, a pick six or something this week. Well, I think if they let him play more, they probably would have beat Purdue by more, but that's just a guess. All right. That's true. Anyway, as always, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, shoot us an email at toemeatleather at gmail.com. You can also check out our Twitter at toemeatleather. Uh, and uh, leather spelled L-E-T-H-R. That's our Twitter handle. We're actually getting a lot of we're actually getting a lot of feedback from uh, the Georgia Tech quarterbacks. Artem's looking forward to shooting out to uh, Texas A&M. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again, and y'all have a good rest of your night. Bye bye.